The 2013 Gold Cup is officially underway. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. Along with me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. How was the weekend, man? Recover from the fourth and the uh, U.S. Men's National Team victory over Guatemala? Oh, well, we, uh, we we had the show after that, so clearly we survived that. Uh, I actually attended a wedding on Saturday night that was a uh, pretty, uh, pretty happening gathering. So uh, it took me a while to recover from that. Uh, today on this Sunday, but uh, I think I'm ready to go. Did you? Uh, were you the best man in the wedding? No, no, I was not. I was uh, just uh, an, an invitee, uh, longtime friend, someone who actually does work in the uh, works within MLS for one of the teams, and uh, he's an old, old time friend, and uh, it's just great to see him get married and see a lot of old, old friends, a lot of old faces. Uh, you know, you know, you know. There's good weddings. There's bad weddings. There's boring weddings. There's fun weddings, and this was definitely a fun wedding. Uh, really good, really good, uh, lively, lively bunch. What's a bad wedding in, in your definition? No open bar. Whoa! <laughs> uh, see, I won't even go if there's an open bar. Let's be real. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. You got to have an open bar. Uh, no, you know, you know how it is. Like sometimes you have to go to a wedding, and it's uh, you know someone you don't really know. Maybe it's a relative, and 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 the the crowd there isn't isn't really people that you're friends with. It's more like it could be family or. You know, it might not be as fun a group, whereas this, you know, th- you know, this wedding was, you know, a lot of, you know, younger, younger people, you know, when I say younger, I mean like 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, like, you know, that that group. And, you know, we just had a great time. I mean, it's a, you know, a good group of good group of friends. I'm in that group. You could have just said, you know, people my age. Well, you'd be at the kiddie table. Stop it. Stop at, it. A, at this wedding. So. I hate you. Well, the kid table is always a lot more fun. Everyone knows that. Um I have uh, lots of news since we did our show, like you said, on Friday night. I'm sure on Saturday, I know you stepped away to have, have a good time at the wedding, but I'm sure you saw the move, Josie out the door, um, Azed agreeing to the transfer for him to go to Sunderland. I think this is a good move, and uh, I mean, what's your take now on it that it's almost, almost official? Well, I mean, we talked about it on the last show, and you know, nothing's changed on my end on that. I, you know, Azed did uh, make it public. They formally announced it uh that it is happening pending a physical and i mean let's face it he's you know knock on wood he'll pass the physical and he will be a sunderland player uh and i believe he'll be the first sunderland player since one claudio arena who actually was once a captain at sunderland so uh again i think it's a good move i think him and him and fletcher could be a pretty dangerous strike partnership uh curious to see what kind of midfield they build there i know they're still shopping they're still looking uh to add some pieces so you know, if they get the right pieces in place there, uh, you know, I think they'd be they'll be in middle, you know, mid-table team, uh, a much better offensive team than they were last year. Uh, obviously, last season they were one of the worst uh, uh, attacking teams, uh, had the fewest, you know, one of the fewest goal, smallest goal totals in the league. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you know, based on what they're trying to do in in, in the off season here in the summer transfer window, that you know, they, they, that's clearly a priority for them is to bolster that offense. Score more goals and climb up the climb up the the Premier League standings, so they're not sweating it out in the la- in the final weeks of the season. Well, I think he also, if you have other players step up and have better seasons, Adam Johnson, uh, Sessegnon having better years too, I-, I think that could help him out internally as well. For people freaking out though, I guess that are, people are saying whole city, this is whole city 2.0 all over again. Can can you calm their fears real quick? Well, you know what? I don't know if anything I get any, anything I will say will calm the, the fears of these people. I, I just I, I just don't know how anyone who actually 
followed that team and followed Josie Altador at Hull City in, in that year, how they could honestly say that they can compare that team to any team he's, uh, that's in the Premier League now. That team was one of the worst teams in the history of the Premier League, in my opinion. Definitely in recent memory. Um, they, had, they had some injuries to the, the few really good players that they did have, and it just left them a, a shell of a team, and they just had no chance, and they were dominated on a regular basis. And even with that, Josie Altador, I thought, had some, some pretty good games uh, during his time there. Uh, as I said before, I mean, I, I'll always remember the Manchester City game uh, that he had after the earthquake in Haiti, and he just dominated Manchester City that day. So, you know, it, this is three years ago. I mean, he, he's a better player now, stronger player, more confident player. And Sunderland absolutely will be much, much stronger a team than that whole City team was. Well, Avis, uh, as I said earlier in the show, the Gold Cup is officially underway. Uh, very surprising today, the results. Mexico lost to Panama. Panama defeats them 2-1. to one. And then Martinique defeats Canada 1-0. to zero. Um, and, and it looks like Mexico or Canada, one of those teams might be eliminated because of the, the way that the playoff works. But still, surprising nonetheless. I mean, especially for Mexico, Ivis, when it just seems everything is just kind of going downhill for them at the same time. Right, it's. A, I mean, it's. It's not a good time to be a fan, a, a Mexican national team fan. I mean, obviously, the between the struggles in World Cup qualifying, the disappointing showing in the Confederations Cup, uh, even if you want to throw in the U twenties, although I thought the U twenties showed some good good spirit late late in that tournament, the the qualifiers in the knockout round, they really pushed Spain to the brink. But now to open the tournament the way they did, you know, on one hand, it's a surprise because let's face it. Panama had never beaten Mexico. They'd never beaten them. On the other hand, though, I mean, we talked about it on the last show. This Mexico team had some serious problems coming in. They really did not look good in tune-up matches heading into this tournament. So you have Mexico, a B team that's really a work in progress, really hasn't played together. You take that, and then you have them play a Panama team that actually, of the teams that are in the hex, that are in this Gold Cup, they have more first-team players than any other team uh, of the HEX teams. You're talking about U.S., Honduras, uh, and Panama, and Costa Rica. You know, every, every, most, all those teams are generally missing key players. Key, you know, first-team, you know, the, the, some of their top guys because, you know, those guys played in Europe. Uh, they already played in qualifying in June, so they're not here. Panama is kind of the, they're the exception. You know, they, they were able to get quite a few of their top guys to, to commit to this tournament. Obviously, Felipe Beloy, Blas Perez, even though Perez did not play in the win against against Mexico, but he is going to be a part of their team for this tournament. Jaime Pinedo, uh, Roman Torres, pretty much the nucleus of that team, uh, of their first team, is in this Gold Cup. So, you know, you, you can understand how when you take an experienced Panama team and you put them up against a unsettled and uh, an unsettled Mexican team that's made up of B team guys, you can understand how the upset happened. So it's, while it's still shocking because it's you've never seen it. You've never seen Panama beat Mexico. Uh, People shouldn't be that surprised because when you take those things into account, it kind of makes sense. Can can I tell you Canada though? That one is, that one just blew me, blew me away because I mean, I really thought, and I, I don't know how many tournaments it's been now. Where I've thought, hey, this this Canada team's got some nice pieces. They could do some damage. They could actually make a little run here. And no, the first game, right out of the gate, they come stumbling out of the gate against Martinique, a Martinique team that you know 
kind of a bit of an unknown commodity, you know, and one of the underdogs of the tournament. And Martinique outplayed Canada. This wasn't a fluke, folks. This wasn't, you know, Canada dominated and Martinique parked the bus and got lucky on a set piece. No, Martinique earned that win. They got the goal very, very late, obviously, but it's not like they were outplayed uh, where you could say, oh, Canada really should have won that game. No, actually, Martinique played pretty well. So, uh, that one surprised me because I really thought, once again, I expected more out of Canada, and once again, they don't deliver. Well, Ivis, uh, the other day you, you did an excellent piece on your website where you listed all the, the favorites um, for the tournament. I, I think going in, the U.S. is, is most likely going to be the clear favorite, but put the U.S. to the side and, and also adding in the results from today's games. Who are going to be the clear favorites in this tournament? Is it going to be Panama with their stronger experience side, or is it going to be other teams like Haiti or, or maybe El Salvador? Or anyone else? What are, who are the favorites uh, in the 2013 Gold Cup? Well, look, obviously Mexico's got problems, right? I'm not ready to write them off, though. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say, oh, they're going to collapse now. And the, the thing you got to understand about the Gold Cup is Gold Cup, the group stage only eliminates four teams, so it's uh, you. You have, you pretty much you have to be pretty awful in the group stage not to not to advance. So I think Mexico will figure it out. I think they'll advance. Um, and, and they, they, they do have talent, you know, there's questions about them being able to finish, uh, obviously as a group, they have, they don't have a ton of games together. Uh, I, I'm not ready to write them off. I still think it's USA is the favorite. Just, you know, when you talk about having Donovan Beasley, Holden, Onyewu, some guys with a lot of experience in the gold cup, uh, and experience overall, Hercules Gomez, another player with a ton of experience in general, uh, the U S is the favorite. I, I, then you, the next not the next group below that. I think you got to put Mexico in there. I think you got to put Panama in there just because of that nucleus of, of veteran talent on that team, uh, and also the the usual suspects that the teams that are in the hex. When you talk about Honduras, who again they're missing you know quite a few of their top guys, but they still have quite a bit of talent there, uh, and, and especially some uh, MLS current and former talent. When you talk about Mario Martinez, Marvin Chavez, Andy Nahar. Uh, they, they've got some nice pieces there. So I think they're a team you got to look at. And also Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica has brought in, you know, obviously they don't have Brian Ruiz. Uh, you know, they, they're missing some guys. But they have Alvaro Sabrillo, Jairo Arrieta, Celso Borges, who's who's a quality player as well. So I think they're in the mix. So it, it's pretty much who you would expect. It's the, the four CONCACAF teams, the four HEX teams, uh, I think, are the teams you got to watch out for. Well, the U.S. will kick off their uh, 2013 Gold Cup against Belize on June 9th. That's up in Portland. That's Tuesday night when they'll kick off against uh, Belize. For for that game, because uh, uh, this is going to be the preview preview show before that game, I for the U.S. going into that game, uh, Belize, you know, another team of unknown players. What are going to be the keys to the game? Well, it's, it's really going to just come down to, uh, you know, dealing with a team that's bunkering. And, and, and that's you have to expect that's what Belize is going to do. You know they're going to look the bunker and counter, uh, try to try to keep it close. Uh, you know if, if one one of the things that Jurgen Klinsmann has definitely worked on with this team is, uh, you know, trying to work on that. And I think with the Guatemala game, I think that was a great test for them to kind of have to deal with that. Even though Guatemala took it to them in the early going, but after that first twenty five thirty. Uh, you saw Guatemala go into a bit of a shell and, and, and clearly not play with the same injury they played with before. Mm-hmm. But it was still a good it was a good warm up. It was a good test for the US to deal with deal with that, deal with, with a team putting numbers behind the ball and Belize is gonna clearly do that. I think this US team is well equipped to deal with it. I mean when you talk about the wingers uh at, at their disposal, uh, obviously Breck Shea is now 
on the Gold Cup team. For those who, who missed that over the weekend, Breck Shea has replaced Josh Gatt. Uh, so he's there, and he looked pretty good in his, his, his second half role coming off. Uh, I mean, coming off the bench. So you know, when you have him, you have Demarcus Beasley, who's looking good. Uh, Edgar Castillo can give you something on the wing. Landon Donovan, uh, uh, you know, patrolling the right potentially, uh, or even a even a Bedoya. Uh, there, there's there's quite a bit of talent there on on the wings, and I think they'll be able to to open up Billy's and uh, and pick them apart. I think the idea that Jurgen had in that Guatemala game when he named a starting eleven were those were the guys that he probably would want in the game going against Belize. But after the second half performances of certain guys like Stuart Holden, Breck Shea, Mix Diskarud, Landon Donovan even playing better centrally, are we going to see some lineup changes? Are we going to see maybe some people in it? I mean, would we see Stuart Holden in the starting eleven against Belize? Is that a possibility? I don't know if you're going to see a ton of, of changes from that 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 starting lineup against Guatemala, but I do think you will see at least one change. I mean, I, I, I find it difficult to believe that, that, that Stuart Holden didn't play himself into the starting lineup. I really think he did. I think he was better than Joe Corona or Jose Torres. You got, I, for me, you got to get him in there. You got to get him into the starting lineup, try see, push him, see how many minutes he can give you at a high level. Um, you know, the, the, there's really no, there's no other way around it. I mean, he looked so good. He looks like he's ready to take that take that step and be a guy on this team that you pencil in as a starter on a regular basis. So I know there, there were other guys who played well. Obviously, you know, makes this group played well. Brett Shea gave you something good off the bench as well. Uh, even Bedoya gave you some, some quality. Uh, but having said all that, I don't, I don't know if Clinton was going to shake things up that to that degree. I mean, I know... Uh, he has his he has his share of detractors in the U.S. fan pool, but I think Kyle Beckerman still probably starts, uh, just because you know he's the one pure number six on on the roster, and he I really believe that I mean Klinsman is a big fan of, of Kyle Beckerman, right? Mm-hmm. He he rates him, he definitely thinks he can get the job done, and for me I think Kyle Beckerman when you talk about Concacaf he is perfectly suited to do well in Concacaf. Did he have a great game against Guatemala? No, because but I think part of that also was the lack of movement of the guys around him. I think if you put him in a lineup where there's a little bit more mobility, a little, little bit better movement from the guys around him, I think he can do really well. And, and you know, that that goes back to obviously the system plays at Real Salt Lake where he does a great job of keeping the ball moving and circulating it around to, to the playmakers that they have. But I think if you, if you put Beckerman in the deep-lying midfield role and you play him behind guys like Holden, Landon Donovan, you know, th- those guys who can really create, uh, I think he can get the job done. Um, one of the best parts I really enjoyed out of the Guatemala game was seeing the, the players in the second half go out there and, and push themselves. I mean, so many guys looked hungry to, to prove something to Jurgen and prove something to a lot of people. Going forward, who needs to have a big tournament? Well, obviously, there's there, there's some players that are pretty obvious, right? Landon Diamond has to have a big tournament. No doubt about it. He's got to be the star. He's got to be the at the end of this tournament should be the golden boot winner, right? He, he he has that he has that expectation. Just just not just because of his past, but because of what what he's trying to get to. He's trying to get back to being a starter on the full team. In order to do that, he's going to have to have a really good tournament. Uh, Stuart Holden obviously is another one. He's someone who, you know, obviously Jurgen Klinsmann sees a big picture with him, sees him as an option down the road. And knows that he's believes that he's good enough to be worth that weight. But I tell you what, Stuart Holden looks pretty sharp now. And I'm not saying, hey, he's ready to start on the full team, but I do think the sooner you get him in a, a starting role, 
the sooner you, you really get a good feel for what he can give you as a starter. So I think he's someone that, that needs a big tournament. And I tell you what, for me, the center backs, Oguchi Onyewu and, and Clarence Goodson, you know, if they're going to be the guys for the entire tournament, they need to play well. Because if they don't play well, they, they're going to get eaten up. And, and this tournament, listen, it's not the World Cup and it's not the Hex. But some of these teams have some pretty good attacks, uh, as Mexico learned today. You know, Panama scored two goals on them without Blas Perez. Now, when when Blas Perez comes back, they're going to be pretty solid. Costa Rica with Alvaro Saborio and Jairo Arrieta, they have weapons. So, you know, these teams have the attacking quality to cause problems. And, you know, as I said in the last show, I thought Goodson and Onier with those first 25, 30 minutes, you know, they looked a little shaky. At least shakier than you thought they would be against the uh, uh, Guatemala team playing with one forward. Uh, so I, so I, it's the jury's still out on those two guys and, and where they are. Uh, and we're going to find out in this group stage. Obviously, the first two games are, are relatively easy. Uh, but then you get that Costa Rica game in the third game. And, and you know, if Costa Rica has something to play for in that game, uh, it, you know what? Sabarillo and, uh, you know, he, he, he's got he's a quality he's a quality forward. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing how the center backs hold up. Well, for the U.S., like I said, their first game is against Belize on Tuesday up in Portland. Then they take on Cuba July 13th up in Salt Lake and Costa Rica on July 16th uh, in Connecticut. Also, the game on Tuesday is at 11 Eastern. So I cannot wait to see all of you East Coasters start bitching about the time on Twitter. I cannot wait for it. What are you talking about? They just... We just had it at eleven o'clock. I know game. it was uh, hilarious, though. Corner. Everyone on the East Coast was like boycotting. It was it was funny watching was, everyone I did on Twitter. Not see anything? Like I that. you know, but maybe we follow different it's people. It's Friday night. It's Friday night. I, I mean, saw so many people complaining about the uh, the Guatemala U.S. start. It was it was funny. It was it was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Well, you know, it is what it is. Ivis also announced this weekend is the 2013 MLS All-Star team that was uh, determined by the fan voting. So you know since it's fan voting, I mean, obviously the fans are in tune, Ivis. They're always going to choose the best players by stats, right? Not by name. <laughs> I think anyone who pays attention has figured it out by now. You know, fan voting generally is a popularity contest. And then when you have, you know, these type of situations where we're – uh, you know, players and teams are allowed to lobby and, and kind of have these campaigns to lobby for votes. You know, that that's obviously going to, you know, shift the playing field a bit. Uh, so, you know, you, you're, not, you're not always going to get the guys who, who have put up the best stats or, or who've had the best years. I don't have a problem with that. At the end of the day, the fans get to pick who they want. And and and, and, and if anything, at least in MLS, you know, the, the fan, the, guy, the, the players who the fans choose aren't necessarily going to be the starters. I mean, obviously in other sports, if the fans switch in, you're in. You know, if it was NBA, you know, Major League Baseball, you're, if you're voted a starter, you are a starter. And then that's not the case in MLS, uh, which is it's kind of it's a little weird, right? Because, I mean, you know, you give the fans this chance to vote and to pick the All-Star 11, but then that doesn't mean anything because, you, you know, the fans could pick an entire starting lineup and none of them be in the starting lineup of the actual game. So it's a little weird, you know. But uh, Well, I, I mean, come on. Look. There's there's other deserving players. Like, no offense to Chris Wondolowski, but, I mean, come on. Jack McInerney is maybe a guy who deserves a start over Chris Wondolowski for the All-Star game. Well, the, see, that's the thing, though, right? I mean, when you look at the voting for these things, generally speaking, you know, obviously there's star players who are going to get some votes, right? But at the same time, you know, someone like Chris Wondolowski has 
done it for a few years now, scored goals at a high level for se- for several years now, and because of that, more and more MLS fans, uh, he registers in the minds of those MLS fans when they have that when they're still filling out that ballot. Jack McInerney is having a great year, but again, this is his first full year of really. Uh, playing well, this well for this long a time. Obviously, he had a good good second half last year, but he's still kind of that new kid on the block. So he's not an established, uh, you know, name to MLS fans yet as as an all star, right? So I know, uh, you know, I, and he was, Mac, you know, McInerney's got a great case, and he could still get, you know, voted on with the whole, uh, you know, the eleventh player being voted on by goal scored in FIFA. You know, this whole, you know, ridiculous. Uh, voting thing they've got going on, but he's not the only one. I mean, Marco DeVaio is in the same boat. I mean, you can definitely argue, you know, why is DeVaio not on this team? But again, it's who the fans decide to pick. Thierry Henry is a, is a mega star. He is the biggest star in the league, period. Right now, he's the biggest star in the league. So he's going to get on. So there's no point in hand wringing and complaining because, you know what? <laughs> if anything, MLS is better equipped to deal with that than other leagues because. At the end of the day, Peter Vermees is going to pick who starts in that game. He's going to fill out the roster, uh, and you know he's going to put a lineup that he wants to put out there. And and I think uh, again, it, he they're trying to win that game. Uh, he's under no obligations to to play any particular players. But again, I think as a well respected coach, I think he'll you know he'll put a good squad out there, a deserving squad out there. So you know, I, I think if anything, MLS the, the MLS All Star process. It's probably a little better, actually, than, than, than some other leagues. Well, that's why you got to take the the all star. F- no offense to the fans, but you can't take it as as face value. I mean, for me, it's if you get named to the roster, that that means obviously more because then the you know the coach and your players uh, obviously respect your play since they're going against you every single week. Um, also, Raúl Fernandez was named to it. Do you? Th- I mean that. I mean that that's not really a popularity pick right there, Ivis. Maybe that's maybe the one that you can kind of say. No, actually, not really. That he that absolutely is an example uh, of of really successful lobbying for votes. I mean, we're talking about not, and this is and you have to look at kind of a bigger picture here. This isn't just a case of oh, AFC Dallas fans rallying around and and getting the votes out for him. I mean, you have to also remember he is the starting goalkeeper on the Peruvian national team. A lot of Peruvian fans out there. He definitely put the word out to his Peruvian brethren that hey. I have a chance to be on this all-star team. Vote for me. And, the, you know, the guy's a hero right now in their World Cup qualifying campaign. Got a ton of followers. He can tap into that, and he did, and it helped him. And and to be fair to him now, it's not as if he's not having a great year. He's having a great year. Uh, you know, he, he he had, you know, a couple little bo- or struggles maybe early on the first couple of games. But I'd say the last few months now, the last two months or so, you know he's been as good as anybody in the league, so that that one is a merit. Like I, I, I don't think anyone is complaining too much about that. I mean, let's be realistic here. No offense to to your AZ peeps, but Luis Robles was leading the voting at goalkeeper for 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 a little while. I don't think many. That, pe- I don't think many people in Arizona knew about that. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> making the point that the you know that would have been for me a much bigger travesty than the fact that, that that Raul Fernandez has been on. Listen, Robles has had some good games, some really good games, but he's also had way too many shaky games 
to be considered an all-star. So, you know what? I have no problems with the Fernandez pick. I think it's a good pick. And not just because, again, because, you know, we're Peruvian brothers and all that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how many times did you vote for that? I, I voted zero times. I don't even know how you vote. Um, also, uh, 10 players are named to, to the all-star fan. 11. The 11th player is, they're doing this thing where if you score the most goals with a certain player in FIFA, um, obviously the video game, that player will get named to the starting 11. So everyone pick some ridiculous player that's injured or on the bench that never sees any playing time and scored hundreds of goals with them just to see him in the starting 11. I was, uh, there were a bunch of MLS games this weekend. I do tons of games this whole week through the midweek games to the weekend games. We recapped the midweek games on the previous show. But uh, tons of weekend games uh, to talk about. LA Dallas, I'm sorry, LA Galaxy taking on FC Dallas. LA gets a, a late lead, scores again, 2-0 to zero over FC Dallas. Blas Perez chose to stay with FC Dallas to help him out in this game versus going to Port, uh, going to Panama in the Gold Cup, as you said. Um, but for LA, a, a good victory for a team over, over a team that's a little better than them. It's a way to build confidence for them and, and go forward. Okay, slow it down. Don't, don't just throw these statements out around there. Dallas is not better than L.A. They had a better record than L.A., but they're not better than L.A. Uh, I think L.A. is underachieved, but I think we saw this night what you know the, the quality that they can produce, and, and I thought they played a really good game. Obviously, Dallas is still missing some guys. George John wasn't there, uh, you know, so they had to re- rely on some on reserves. But you know what? Uh, you know, I, I, For me, I just find it funny, like, Fans are, are way too quick to kind of grab those crutches and say, "Oh, you know, we're missing X, we're missing Y." Listen, listen, folks. Players, teams miss players all the time. It's part of the deal. Have a bench, have backups. Deal with it, right? And if you lose, you lose. If you win, you win. Enough of this. Oh, well, you know, it's our B team, really, because we're missing two or three starters. No, folks. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Everyone has to deal with that at some point or another. No more excuses. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. You lost. Dallas lost. They, they, they've obviously hit. And I, I said this weeks ago. I said this, uh, I think, in May. Dallas was going to hit the really tough part of their schedule, and we were going to see what they were really about. Uh, and, and you know what? They, they've, the, the cracks are there, and, and, and now they've, they've come back down to earth. They're still a quality team. They, they, got, they obviously have great heart. Uh, they've showed in some of their recent results to come back and fight back. But they're, they're far from being that team that, you know, the first first few months of the season where they were running away with the league, uh, they were not that good, you know. And I said it then. I said, you know what? These results are a little misleading. They're not this dominant. And, and it, you know, it, it, things balance out. And we say it all the time. MLS is about stre- streaks and slumps, and right now they're in a slump. Uh, I, I still think they're going to end up being in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, and they're a good team, but as far as title contending goes, I think I think this slump that they're going through right now is going to tell us a lot about them. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps defeated the Seattle Sounders for the first time ever in a Cascadia play, uh, MLS play. Excuse me, Kenny Miller scored a, a goal. Then we had a Darren Maddox sighting late, but I think the story of this game, Ivis, was the outstanding play uh, from Brad Knighton, who had a ton of stops in the game against uh, Eddie Johnson and Obafemi Martins. I mean, he alone really kept Vancouver in this game. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we're talking man of the match performance. We're talking potentially uh, player of the week performance. I mean, he just stood on his head and made, I mean, some amazing saves, some back-to-back saves. And uh, it was a good weekend for goalkeepers because, you know, you had him and you had Joe Willis and at DC United had really good games. But for me, I tell you what, Brad Knight just really stole the show and, 
it, it's interesting because obviously Vancouver has just signed a, a, a goalkeeper, uh, Usted, and, and it seems like he, that that competition, that threat of of a challenge to the starting spot, is is is, is rejuvenated night and has really got him going. And uh, you know he could he could really turn things on now. And uh, you got to give credit to Whitecaps; they've been on this run now, uh, putting these results together. Uh, they're they're legit. You gotta you gotta you gotta like what they're what you're seeing out of them. And um, for a team that lost Jay Demary to the torn Achilles, uh, for them to rebound the way they did, and then you know obviously Kenny Miller was out in the early part of the season with a ha- with a hamstring, if I recall correctly. He is playing really well, and they're not mm-hmm. just playing well. I mean, he's really being a leader on that team. He is being what they need, and obviously you know Camillo has been the one scoring a ton of goals lately. But Kenny Miller, I just feel like he he sets a tone on that team. Uh, a real infectious personality, and, and and I think you know, it's interesting that er, early on when the the MLS salaries came out for the year, you know, I had him pegged as a as a you know one of the most you know on the all over pay team, and at the time, part of that thinking was, listen, the guy, you know, Vancouver's trying to trade him, he's already hurt, you know, for the money he makes, he needs to do a lot more, and ever since he's come back, he's just crushed it, right? So it, it's clear as day, folks, he is not. Once you know, when we revisit the all overpaid team, he will not be on. Well, clearly he reads your website and was pissed at your comments, and then decided to prove, hey, he wanted to prove you wrong. It's, bullet, it's bulletin board material. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I'm no, just I'm, kidding. I'm sure he walked into the locker room and Jay Demerit's like, "Look at this." I'm sure he's like, "I'm going to show Ivis." <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I tell you what, and I won't name any names or say anything, but I have seen copies of articles. In lockers before I have seen that, and I think it's yeah, you know what, whatever motivates you, whatever gets you going, uh, you know, you use it. Uh, Kenny Miller, I don't think he needed no motivation. I think he's just a, 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 he's a veteran. He's a he's a pro. Once he got healthy, once he came back, once he, I guess, decided, you know what, I'm gonna stay here. I'm not gonna make a move. Once Vancouver decided, look, we're gonna keep you. Uh, I, I feel like the, the air's been cleared, and he's really been playing at a really good level. And I know, again, I know Camillo steals the headlines with all the goals that he's been scoring lately, but Kenny Miller's uh, play has been really a big key to what they've been able to do. Ivis, this weekend we also saw Portland's 15-game unbeaten streak come to it, and the Columbus crew defeated them 1-0. to They also ruined Caleb Porter's homecoming uh, party the crew uh, picked up an early goal from Bernardo Anor in the fifth minute, and then a red card to Pamaduka. Um, Higuain missed the uh, missed the ensuing PK. Then Portland down to ten men actually had a really good game, and, and they possessed the ball really well and, and really gave it to the crew. But uh, I mean, the crew uh, uh, they got the victory for Portland. You know, all streaks eventually come to an end. Their streak came to an end. It was a very impressive ride for them throughout the season. Well, look, folks, obviously, you know, it, it was bound to happen. And, and once you saw that early card, uh, you know, they, they, they've really pushed themselves in the past where they've fallen in the, in the holes. Uh, you know, they've fallen behind. Uh, they've struggled early on in games and they've had to battle back. And, you know, at a certain point that, that like the luck's going to run out, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're going to put yourself in a position you can't climb out of. And, and I think that just once they went down that down the player – it just made things that much tougher. And again, you're talking about a team missing several starters uh, who are away uh, for the Gold Cup. You know, Will Johnson, Rodney Wallace, Freddie Picayune, uh, all all good players. And obviously, Johnson's MVP caliber. Rodney Wallace is outstanding. So, uh, you know, how, how tough can you make it for yourself, right? I mean, they're already missing a bunch of guys, and then they go down a man early on. Uh, so the uh, you know there is consolation in the fact that yes, they really still managed to control things. But again, they're a possession team. The crew 
We're completely aware of that situation. They get, they have the man advantage. They're at home. They know that Portland can be dangerous. So why really stretch things out and open things up? You know, I think they kept it conservative. They 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 protected that one goal lead. Uh, and and so that's you know sometimes possession stats don't always tell the whole story. Uh, and this isn't to single out Portland because I think Portland actually dominates possession quite a bit. Most opponents, regardless of the of the situation. Having said that, sometimes, you know, what I, I think people lose sight of the fact is that, you know, when a team takes a lead, particularly early on, there is less urgency for that team to keep pressing because they have that lead. So a lot of times, you know, the, the team that's trailing for a, major, a majority of a match can end up can end up having more possession just because, you know, the, the team with the lead is like, hey, here's you can have the ball. Uh, it, but you're not. We're not going to let you get in a dangerous spot. So at the end of the day, is how effective is that, right? If you're trailing for 80 minutes, uh, and for a good chunk of that, a team is letting you knock the ball around because they have the lead. Uh, is winning the possession battle that important? Uh, I will say this though: Portland uh, doesn't really matter the scenario. They dominate possession, so they're they're a bit of an exception to that rule. But I just think people should should definitely keep that in mind whenever they start looking at these stats. That you know, obviously, there's so many stats out there you can look at, but things like things like possession, you gotta be a little uh, be careful about because sometimes those things can be misleading. Oh, of course, you can't take possession. I mean, sometimes you'll see teams with 48 possession, but they'll win two to one. It just yeah, you can't, you can never, yeah, you can never believe them. Um, Sporting Kansas City defeated Chicago two to one. Mike McGee with another goal, but uh, two early goals from Benny Felhaber and Graham Zuzi. I mean, both goals were outstanding goals. But Matt Beezer with a long throw and Benny Felhaber hammered it up into the uh, tight post. And Graham Zuzi's goal, Ivis, he said it was a cross. What do you, what do you think it was? Was it a cross or a shot? I think the consensus is that it was a cross. <laughs> and if he's actually willing to admit it was a cross, it was it was a cross. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The ball went in the net. It's it all counts. I was shocked when it went into the net. I was watching. I was like, whoa, did that really just happen? But um in Kansas City, they ended the uh, Chicago Fires um, five-game unbeaten streak. But, uh, I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me, six-game unbeaten streak. But like we said, with the uh, Portland Timbers, I mean, you know, obviously all streaks are unfortunately going to come to an end eventually. Right. No, the Fire, still a good team. But, you know, this this rivalry is uh, it's a good one. Uh, you know, when these teams play, it's always... It's always some good soccer. Uh, McGee, they, you know, Kansas City was able to, to halt the, the the fire on Bean Street, but they weren't able to stop Mike McGee from getting on the scoreboard. Uh, but you have to give Sporting Casey credit. You know, they came out strong. They put those two goals on the board, and you can, uh, if you fall down, if you fall behind by two goals in Sporting Kansas City in that defense, uh, you just, you, it's way too tough a task. You don't want to be putting yourself in that position. Uh, and and I think even with McGee trying to will them back into it. It was just too much to ask, and I think we're starting to see Kansas City round in the form now and, and play like the team we expected. And I think if you're Peter Ramirez, you got to be pretty thrilled to see Benny Failhaber on the score sheet. He's obviously someone who has fallen out of favor a bit, hasn't been playing regularly, uh, uh, you know, for the, the club side. Uh, but you know, he stepped up this weekend and, and you know made a big play. Uh, the New England Revolution. Uh, got back to their winning their their winning raise over over late. They defeated the San Jose Earthquakes two to zero. Um, Asir San, it's just what a strike on that turn from distance. Uh, and Ivis, that San Jose victory over the Galaxy, even though it was just a little over a week ago, it seems like a distant memory for this club. Well, obviously, with two straight losses since then, it's uh, 
you know that the, that celebration didn't last too long, and I think it's you know they've come back down to earth a bit uh, and faced with that reality. But hey, I tell you what, New England, you got to give New England credit. Uh, missing Juan Agudelo, they, they're still able not to miss a beat and, and play well. And you know, Cyrus Sen, obviously, he's someone who you know is key for them if they're going to really compete and contend. And you know, I think that Agudelo, Cyrus Sen. Uh, ten and once once healthy, you know that that could be one of the better ones in the league uh, potentially when they're when if and when they get healthy. So uh, that's a great win for New England. Their defense once again being stingy and putting another another uh, zero on the board, but uh, uh, it's a tough one for San Jose. And I, you know, it, it, the crazy thing is they're not that 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 far out of the playoff race in the West. So it's like you still can't quite write them off. You know, there's teams you can write off. There's teams you can say, "Listen, you're done. You're not. It's not happening this year." Uh, DC United, Toronto FC, Chivas USA. You know, they, they fall into those categories. But I think all these other teams, it's still too close. And and even though it, San Jose's struggling, uh, and has struggled for a majority of the year, they're they're still not that far out of it. New England also knocking on the door. They're in six in the East right now, 24 uh, points. Well, right behind the Houston Dynamo, who have a uh, 26. Points. Uh, Chivas USA tied uh, Montreal one to one. Montreal. I mean, they, they they clearly fixed their defensive problems that they've had over the last two games. But uh, one costly mistake um, allows Eric Avila to score a goal. The celebration. Uh, you, you would have thought that they won a one like the World Cup with the way the players were tackling him after that goal. But Montreal safe face. Uh, they picked up a point in this game, and um, I mean, obviously they, they they fixed their defensive issues that have hurt them over the last two weeks, but still not enough to. Uh, to defeat the lowly Chivas USA. I don't know if you can honestly say that Montreal fixed their defensive problems because, listen, let's face it, Chivas USA did not present the the toughest attacking challenge. They clearly came in to play for a point. They wanted to keep things tight. And, and you know, their new manager, one of the things he's definitely done is is implement uh, an emphasis on defense and uh, keeping things close, keeping things organized and tight. And uh, I think you've seen Chivas be a better team the last few games because of that. Having said that, uh, you know, if you're Montreal, fine. They didn't give up three, four goals. <laughs> That's I'm looking for, at the positive of the, it. But, but again, you got to look at who they're playing. It's one thing if they shut down uh, the, you know, Real Salt Lake or Seattle or a team that scores goals. But Chivas USA has not been producing on the scoreboard. So it's, uh, you know... Montreal, for me, I tell you what, they still, there's still some question marks there. They're, they're, you know, they're, this past month, you know, you look at Montreal and what's happened to them. Uh, you really thought you got the sense coming into the month that this month was set up well for them. They, they had a few bye weeks. They, you know, they had a chance to get some rest and 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 create some space atop the Eastern Conference. But that is that's definitely not how it's gone down. They've they've had some pretty disappointing results, and all of a sudden here they are. They're not in first place anymore. The Houston Dynamo defeated the Philadelphia Union 1-0. to Ricardo Clark uh, had a header in the 59th minute, made up for a, a previous header that he missed literally like a minute before. Uh, and a very good win for the Houston Dynamo, Ivis, especially one because they're missing a lot of players due to injury or call-up to the Gold Cup roster. Right. They, you know, it, it was a game they absolutely needed. When you talk about seven games without a win, they had gone two months without an MLS win. Uh, one month without a goal, so to just get on the scoreboard was was huge for them, and I think you know getting Oscar Bonilla Garcia back into the lineup was was tremendous for them. 
He gave them a lot of energy and, and, and clearly helped boost their attack. And, you know, they're still missing, obviously they're still missing uh, Brad Davis, who's, who's out injured, but you saw a little more sign of life in, that, in their attack. Uh, and to not have Brad Davis and to not have Hercules, uh, sorry, Will Bruin uh, in the lineup, you know, he's at the Gold Cup. Uh, for them to, to put a win on the board is, is real big. And, and Ricardo Clark, you got to give him credit. He definitely looked like he, he was trying to get into the attack more, uh, you know, push up, uh, take some runs forward. And uh, and he set up some chances for himself, and obviously he didn't he didn't make them all, but he made he made one of them and, and was able to get them the win. Well, Ivis, so we reached the end of the show. That means it's time for the SBI Q and A. As always, if you want to get your questions answered by Ivis, you have to pay attention later at night is when we record the show. On uh, when do we do it, Ivis? Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, kind of about those days, give or take. But pay attention at night. Ivis always sent out the tweet for the SBI Q. And a Ivis first question is from Jesse Daniels. Uh, who could be the dark horse in the 2013 Gold Cup? Also, give me your Golden Boot winner. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Panama. I think as as I mentioned earlier, when you talk about bringing a veteran team to this tournament, uh, a team that a team that has a nucleus of players that have been together for let me see now seven, nine, eleven, the three previous Gold Cups. Uh, a, a nucleus that's been eliminated by the U.S. for all of those, uh, you know, all those Gold Cups. Uh, this can be the tournament where maybe they can pull off a shocker. And the fact that they beat Mexico without Blas Perez, and, and Blas Perez is on his way to play the rest of the tournament, I think that's big. So I think Panama's a team, uh, Panama's a team you definitely have to look out for. If Mexico is in as much trouble as they seem, if, the, if this really is a case of a team that's going to just melt down, uh, Panama could definitely win that group, uh, and they're set up now with the win against Mexico to win that group. Uh, and I think they could make a long run. I think they're that that team that could really uh, crash the party and, and keep us from seeing yet another U.S. Mexico Gold Cup final. Well, I guess you didn't answer the other question. Who's your uh, gold boot winner? Uh, that's a good one. I think the guy. I think the guy who scored two goals tonight for Panama. I think he's he obviously he's, <laughs> he's the leading. He's got two goals in the in the. That's in the too easy. Already. That's too easy. Come on, picks. Uh, well, hey, that's too easy. Done? Who who are we gonna go with? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll go Landon US, Donovan. I'll go US, Landon Donovan. Uh, Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan's gonna. I think he's gonna have. Uh, I could see him having six, seven goals in a tournament. I think they've got some games where he could really, really rack them up. Ivis, next question comes from Yosemite Forrest. I don't know how Forrest asked us a question, but it did. Uh, I've heard DeMarcus Beasley's been transfer listed. Where should he land? Is his level championship, MLS, Airy Divisi? Well, uh, it looks like you're a little behind on the news there, buddy. Uh, It's a forest, Ivis. Come on, They, they don't have internet out there. They don't have internet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> they have tree Wi-Fi. Um, but look, Beasley re-signed with Puebla. Uh, you know, his contract expired, and that's the thing. You know, team. Just because uh, a a, te- a player who's about to finish up his contract and the team don't agree on the deal uh, before you know it, it's time for him to go doesn't mean that they still can't negotiate. And obviously. Uh, he was initially transfer-listed, but they've, re- they've negotiated, and he is going back to Puebla. And I would say he's had a great time there. It's really rejuvenated his career, and, and you see him now doing so well with the national team. Uh, you can't really argue with, with him wanting to stay there. And, and, and the unfortunate thing is, you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious as to how much interest there is in him from MLS teams. And when I say interest, I don't mean that teams wouldn't be willing to take him, but... Obviously, for the money that he'd be he'd be wanting to to make and that he should command, 
Uh, I just don't know. I think he's a he would. I, th- I think teams a lot of teams would probably see him as a bit of a luxury item uh, when you talk about as a winger. You know, making max money, making potentially designated player money. Um, he can make he can make really good money in Mexico, and he has. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know when. You know, that, that's going to be interesting to see if and when he uh, Marcus Beasley comes back to MLS. Ivis, next question comes from Chris McGuffin. Do you think LA is missing Mike McGee yet? I'll tell you what. The real question is how in the world Chris McGuffin always asks us like twenty questions. Uh, Chris, we appreciate think, uh, we appreciate all the questions. Thank you. <laughs> It's great, Chris. Uh, you know, I think he works the night shift somewhere, so he, he's just. This is like right in his wheelhouse when we when we post our one thirty a.m. Uh, give us some questions uh, tweet, but uh, he, he does give us some good questions. I, I will give him that, and uh, I, I'd say as far as uh, this time around, it per- it's perfect timing in a way because uh, you know I think Robbie Rogers had another good game. I think he's really started to kind of come along for the Galaxy and. You know, it, it's tough to do when to compare the two when you talk about Mike McGee and him scoring, the way he's scoring. Uh, you know, he he's he scored in an all but uh, one game for for them for the Fire, uh, which is crazy, right? I mean, he's been he's been killing it. Uh, that being said, I think when it when the dust settles, I think we could see the benefits of this trade for LA in Robbie Rogers being a good fit for them, giving them some play on the wing some width, and also giving other players an opportunity to step in and start. When you talk about Jassy's artist, Jose Virial, you know, these are guys who are going to get a chance, have a chance to get more minutes than they would have normally if Mike McGee was still there. I guess uh, next question comes from uh, Simon Twaits. question is, how much were the rep- reported, excuse me, Diego Forlan signing help TFC? Well, I'll tell you what, as of right now, it's not an official move yet. It uh, looks like the Toronto Globe and Mail has joined the party there and and have written a story, uh, which looks like it was posted Sunday evening, uh, saying that Forlan is, is is coming. But if he is coming, look, I tell you what, the guy is a quality forward. He will do well in MLS. Uh, you know, I, I think Toronto has a decent enough midfield. Is it going to turn things around for Toronto and make them a playoff team this year? I, I that's a little bit of a reach, but I think Forlan. Would be a great signing because I think I think he you know he's gonna, I think he can score goals for you, and I think he can make the you know the guys around him better. Well, that wraps up the SBI Q and A. As always, everyone, thank you for the questions, Ivis, and I always appreciate them when you guys send us the questions. Well, Ivis, that reaches the end of the show. We'll be back again on Tuesday to uh, to recap the U.S. Uh, Belize game. That's right, and uh, I tell you what, that's I think that one is going to be another. Uh, another blowout. I mean, obviously, I know Belize is going to be a big game for them. They're going to come out and, and really try to be stingy defensively. But I think this U.S. team is, is playing with some confidence uh, coming off that Guata- Guatemala win. And I think they're going to want to send a message in this uh, to start this tournament off. Uh, when you look at Mexico losing their game and Canada losing their game, uh, I think, you know, I, I, I can see this U.S. team wanting to come out and really set a tone for the entire competition with a big win. Uh, what's your prediction? Ooh. Pain for Belize. <laughs> That's uh, the, I, I, what score is that? Is that twenty to zero? <laughs> eh, I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, I'll go five. I'll say five. That's pretty reasonable. Uh, just because I think Belize is going to park the bus. I'll go five zero. I'll I'll go uh, I'll go four to zero. That'll be mine because we can't yeah. have the same. One of us has to win. No, we, we can't tie. 
Yeah, exactly. Ivis, uh, well, you have a you have a good rest of the night, man. We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk again Tuesday after the game. Yes, sir. And uh, everyone have a have a great uh, rest of the week. Have a great Monday, everyone. As always, Ivis and I appreciate all the listens, all the reviews, all the comments on iTunes and on the website. And uh, you know, we appreciate we appreciate all the support. We can't we can't thank you guys enough. As always, thank you for listening to the SBI Show.